I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading the book of Jonah, all four chapters. Before we begin reading, let's get a little bit of background on the book of Jonah. At some point before the fall of Israel in 721 B.C. to the Assyrians, that's found, by the way, in 2 Kings chapter 17, Jonah, the prophet, was directed by God to go to the Assyrian capital, Nineveh, and there preach to the people. We know from 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 through 29, that Jonah prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II. His reign was from 793 to 753 B.C. in Israel. Jonah's name appears in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, where it says there, He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gothhefer. So here we have uh, Jonah prophesying to the Assyrian capital, Nineveh. Now you'll recall that later on in 721 B.C., uh, Israel fell to the Assyrian Empire. So that's the context in which uh, this is written. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. Well, God told Jonah to go preach to the people in the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, that city's Nineveh. They were the contemporary bully empire of the world at that time. Their power and influence in that region was growing daily. Now, these are the people who later would overcome the northern kingdom, Israel. Nineveh was way east. Jonah, instead of going to Nineveh, heads way west. He goes to the seacoast town in Israel, Joppa. He boards a ship there and heads west across the Mediterranean Sea to Tarshish. No Nineveh for this prophet. Nineveh was over 600 miles away from Israel to the northeast, and those wicked people were indeed a threat to Israel. While it's difficult for the captain of the ship to identify the exact problem when the storm arises and threatens the safety of the ship, he's distressed by the fact that everyone is frantically praying to their respective deities for deliverance, well, except Jonah. He's sound asleep. To the captain, that's just not normal conduct. It's conduct that deserves some extra investigation. Get the picture here. The crew is throwing cargo into the water, 
while calling out to their gods, and Jonah's sleeping. Now, that really isn't normal, is it? Well, we see in chapter 1, beginning with verse 7, that Jonah wins the lottery. Well, so to speak. Verse 7. And they said, Come, everyone, to his fellow. Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless the men rowed hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, we're not sure of the exact procedure for casting lots, but we do know it looked a lot like gambling to the casual observer. They gathered around and threw something resembling dice to make decisions, I mean important decisions. When the life-threatening storm came, the terrified people on the ship cast lots to determine the identity of the culprit bringing upon them the wrath of nature. The casting of lots identifies Jonah. So you see, he did win the lottery. Upon speaking with Jonah after the casting of lots, they observe a cool, calm Jonah who simply tells them his story, including his flight from Jehovah. Jonah gives them the solution to their potential loss-of-life problem at hand. He says, just throw me overboard. At first, they reject that notion. But upon realizing that there was just no other way to spare their own lives, they end up in fact, throwing him overboard. Jonah picks up another ride, it says, in a great fish. He spends three days and three nights in there. By the way, this time period is very significant inasmuch as Jesus refers to Jonah's experience in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, with regard to his own whereabouts between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Here's what he said in Matthew 12:40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now let's take particular notice here to an interesting point. These other men on the ship start out as polytheists, praying to their own gods and referencing the one true God of Jonah as thy God in verse 6. That's what they call him. However, by the time their harrowing cruise experience is over, they're all calling upon the name of the one true God, Jehovah, we see that in verses 16 through 18. They even begin to make sacrifices to the one true God. That was some pretty effective 
lifestyle evangelism, wouldn't you say? Now Jonah prays and the big fish, the whale, blows chunks in chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto me, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Well, nothing like being in the belly of a big fish to get you praying. I mean, what a ride. We find Jonah's prayer of repentance here. It culminates in verse 9 when Jonah says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Though Jonah doesn't tell us what he had vowed, the context implies that it involved complete obedience. God acknowledges Jonah's prayer and makes the fish sick, blows Jonah right out onto the dry land, and toward Nineveh, Jonah heads. So now it's off to Nineveh, chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Well, it takes a while to get there, but Nineveh was a very large city, as cities go back then. The city itself took three days to walk, either from one side to the other or around it, we're not told. And it had an estimated population of maybe 120,000. We see that in chapter 4, verse 11. Jonah experiences a great response to his preaching of doom and gloom. And that doom and gloom is on its way to Nineveh in a short 40 days if they don't repent. Notice the response of the residents of Nineveh in verse 5. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Well, as a matter of fact, it was the king of Nineveh that proclaimed the feast. So in chapter 3, beginning with verse 6, we see the end result there. Verse 6, For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. 
But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way, and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent, and turn away from his fierce anger, that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil, that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Well, the prophets to Israel, they should have had so much success as uh, Jonah did right here. I mean, the folks in Nineveh, they repent big time. They all respond from the king of Nineveh all the way down to the little people. God, as a result, delays his judgment on these people, these Ninevites, for over a half century or so. Notice Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now, how much more success can an evangelist expect than that? Well, however, in chapter 4, we see that Jonah is just not really happy with his success. Verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd, and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head, to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Well, verse 1 here says it all. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now, what's up with that? I mean, the prophets of Israel and Judah preach to their own people, and their own people reject God's word. Jonah preaches to these heathen strangers, and these people turn to God. Well, he's so upset about his success, he just asked God to go ahead and take his life in verse 3. And again in verse 8 when he says, It's better for me to die than to live. These Assyrians had previously visited the town near Jonah as conquerors, and Jonah did not want these people to prosper. Well, Jonah just deal with it. 
God has spoken and spared the lives of these repentant Assyrians, at least for a few dozen years or so. The Assyrians did terrorize Israel and its neighbors at the end of that century. The northern kingdom of Israel fell to these Assyrians in 721 B.C., and that's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 17. Now, it's interesting that the book of Jonah ends without actually scratching Jonah's itch. As far as we know, Jonah may have mourned his success until the day he died. Just goes to show you, God's ways are not our ways. Any one of us may someday be called upon by God to minister in areas that we personally find unnecessary or perhaps even distasteful. We don't have to agree with God or even understand what God intends. We just need to obey God. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletribe.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.